0: Chapter One of Louise de la Valliere. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Robert Snoza, Houston, Texas, February twenty thirteen. Louise de la Valliere by Alexandre Dumas. Chapter One Malaga during all these long and noisy debates between the opposite ambitions of politics and love one of our characters perhaps the one least deserving of neglect was however very much neglected very much forgotten and exceedingly unhappy in fact d'artagnan d'artagnan we say for we must call him by his name to remind our readers of his existence d'artagnan we repeat had absolutely nothing whatever to do amidst these brilliant butterflies of fashion After following the king during two whole days at Fontainebleau, and critically observing the various pastoral fancies and heroic comic transformations of his sovereign, the musketeer felt that he needed something more than this to satisfy the cravings of his nature. At every moment, assailed by people asking him, How do you think this costume suits me, Monsieur d'Artagnan? He would reply to them in quiet, sarcastic tones, Why, I think you're quite as well-dressed as the best-dressed monkey to be found at the fair at Saint-Laurent. It was just such a compliment d'Artagnan would choose when he did not feel disposed to pay any other, and whether agreeable or not, the inquirer was obliged to be satisfied with it. Whenever anyone asked him, "'How do you intend to dress yourself this evening?' he replied, "'I shall undress myself,' at which the ladies all laughed, and a few of them blushed. But after a couple of days passed in this manner, the musketeer, perceiving that nothing serious was likely to arise which would concern him, and that the king had completely, or at least appeared to have completely forgotten Paris, Saint-Mondet, and belle that M. Colbert's mind was occupied with illuminations and fireworks, that, for the next month at least, the ladies had plenty of glances to bestow, and also to receive in exchange, d'Artagnan asked the king for leave of absence for a matter of private business. At the moment d'Artagnan made his request, his majesty was on the point of going to bed, quite exhausted from dancing. "'You wish to leave me, monsieur d'Artagnan?' inquired the king, with an air of astonishment, for Louis Fourteenth could never understand why anyone who had the distinguished honour of being near him could wish to leave him. "'Sire,' said d'Artagnan, "'I leave you simply because I am not of the slightest service to you in anything. Ah!' "'If I could only hold the balancing-pole while you were dancing, it would be a very different affair.' "'But, my dear Monsieur d'Artagnan,' said the King gravely, "'people dance without balancing-poles.' "'Ah, indeed,' said the musketeer, continuing his imperceptible tone of irony. "'I had no idea such a thing was possible.' "'You have not seen me dance, then?' inquired the King. "'Yes, but I always thought dancers went from easy to difficult acrobatic feats. I was mistaken.' all the more greater reason therefore that i should leave for a time sire i repeat you have no present occasion for my services besides if your majesty should have any need of me you would know where to find me very well said the king and he granted him leave of absence we shall not look for d'artagnan therefore at fontainebleau for to do so would be useless but with the permission of our readers follow him to the rue de lombarde where he was located at the sign of the pilon d'or in the house of our old friend planchet it was about eight o'clock in the evening and the weather was exceedingly warm there was only one window open and that one belonging to a room on the entresol a perfume of spices mingled with another perfume less exotic but more penetrating namely that which arose from the street ascended to salute the nostrils of the musketeer d'artagnan reclining in an immense straight-backed chair with his legs not stretched out but simply placed upon a stool formed an angle of the most obtuse form that could possibly be seen both his arms were crossed over his head his head reclining upon his left shoulder like alexander the great his eyes usually so quick and intelligent in their expression were now half closed and seemed fastened as it were upon a small corner of blue sky that was visible behind the opening of the chimneys there was just enough blue and no more to fill one of the sacks of lentils or haricots which formed the principal furniture of the shop on the ground floor thus extended at his ease and sheltered in his place of observation behind the window d'artagnan seemed as if he had ceased to be a soldier as if he were no longer an officer belonging to the palace but was in the contrary Quiet easy-going citizen in a state of stagnation between his dinner and supper, or between his supper and his bed, one of those strong ossified brains which have no more room for a single idea. So fiercely does animal matter keep watch at the doors of intelligence, narrowly inspecting the contraband trade which might result from the introduction into the brain of a symptom of thought. We have already said night was closing in, the shops were being lighted, while the windows of the upper apartments were being closed and the rhythmic steps of a patrol of soldiers forming the night watch could be heard retreating d'artagnan continued however to think of nothing except the blue corner of the sky a few paces from him completely in the shade lying on his stomach upon a sack of indian corn was planchet with both arms under his chin and his eyes fixed on d'artagnan who was either thinking dreaming or sleeping with his eyes open planchet had been watching him for a tolerably long time and by a way of interruption he began by exclaiming, hum, hum. but D'Artagnan did not stir. Planchet then saw it was necessary to have recourse to more effectual means still, after a prolonged reflection on the subject. The most ingenious means that suggested itself to him under the present circumstances was to let himself roll off the sack onto the floor, murmuring at the same time against himself the word stupid. But notwithstanding the noise produced by planchet's fall d'artagnan who had in the course of his existence heard many other and very different falls did not appear to pay the least attention to the present one besides an enormous cart laden with stones passing from the rue saint mederic absorbed in the noise of its wheels the noise of planchet's tumble and yet planchet fancied that in token of tacit approval he saw him imperceptibly smile at the word stupid this emboldened him to say are you asleep monsieur d'artagnan no planchet i am not even asleep replied the musketeer i am in despair said planchet to hear such a word as even well and why not is it not a grammatical word monsieur planchet of course monsieur d'artagnan well well then the word distresses me beyond measure tell me why you are distressed planchet said d'artagnan if you say that you are not even asleep it is as much to say that you have not even the consolation of being able to sleep or better still it is precisely the same as telling me that you are getting bored to death planchet you know that i am never bored except to-day and the day before yesterday bah monsieur d'artagnan it is a week since you returned here from fontainebleau in other words you have no longer your orders to issue or your men to review and manoeuvre "'You need the sound of guns, drums, and all that din of confusion. "'I, who have myself carried a musket, can easily believe that.' "'Planchet,' replied d'Artagnan, "'I assure you that I am not bored in the least in the world.' "'In that case, what are you doing, lying there as if you were dead?' "'My dear Planchet, there was once upon a time, "'at the seas of La Rochelle, when I was there, "'when you were there, when we both were there.' A certain Arab, who was celebrated for the manner in which he adjusted couvertine, he was a clever fellow, although of a very odd complexion, which was the same color as your olives. Well, this Arab, whenever he had done eating or working, used to sit down to rest himself, as I am resting myself now, and smoked, I cannot tell you what sort of magical leaves, in a large amber-mouthed tube, and if any officers, happening to pass, reproached him for being always asleep he used to quietly reply better to sit down than to stand up to lie down than to sit down to be dead than to lie down he was an acutely melancholy arab and i remember him perfectly well from the color of his skin and the style of his conversation he used to cut off the heads of protestants with the most singular gusto precisely and then he used to embalm them when they were worth the trouble and when he was thus engaged with his herbs and plants around him He looked like a basket-maker making baskets you are quite right planchet he did oh i can remember things very well at times i have no doubt of it but what do you think of his mode of reasoning i think it is good in one sense but very stupid in another expound your meaning monsieur planchet well monsieur in point of fact then better to sit down than to stand up is plain enough especially when one may be fatigued and planchet smiled in a roguish way as for better to be lying down let that pass but for the last proposition that is better to be dead than alive it is in my opinion very absurd my own undoubted preference being for my bed and if you are not of my opinion it is simply as i have already had the honour of telling you because you are boring yourself to death planchet do you know monsieur de la fontaine the chemist at the corner of the rue Saint-Médard? No, the writer of fables. Oh, maitre Corbeau! Exactly. Well, then, I am like his hare. He has got a hare also, then? He has all sorts of animals. Well, what does his hare do then? Monsieur La Fontaine's hair thinks. Ah! Ah! Planchet, I am like that hare. I am thinking. What are you thinking, you say? said Planchet uneasily. You are thinking thinking you say said planchet uneasily yes your house is dull enough to drive people to think you will admit that i hope and yet monsieur you have a look out upon the street yes and wonderfully interesting that is of course but it is no less true monsieur that if you were living at the back of the house you would bore yourself i mean you would think more than ever upon my word planchet i hardly know that still said the grocer If your reflections are at all like those which led you to restore king charles the second and planchet finished with a little laugh that was not without its meaning ah planchet my friend returned d'artagnan you are getting ambitious is there no other king to be restored monsieur d'artagnan no second monk to be packed up like a salted hog in a deal box no my dear planchet "'All the kings are seated on their respective thrones, less comfortably so, perhaps, than I am upon this chair, but in all events there they are,' and d'Artagnan sighed deeply. "'Monsieur d'Artagnan,' said Planchet, "'you are making me very uneasy.' "'You are very good, Planchet.' I began to suspect something. "'What is it? Monsieur d'Artagnan, you are getting thin.' oh said d'artagnan striking his chest which sounded like an empty cuirass. it is impossible planchet ah said planchet slightly overcome if you were to get thin in my house well i should do something rash what would you do tell me i should look out for the man who was the cause of all your anxieties ah according to your account i am anxious now yes you are anxious and you are getting thin visibly getting thin malaga if you go on getting thin in this way i will take my sword in my hand and go straight to monsieur d'arblay and have it out with him what said monsieur d'artagnan starting in his chair what's that you say and what has monsieur d'arblay's name got to do with your groceries just as you please get angry if you like or call me names if you prefer it but the deuce is in it i know what i know D'Artagnan had, during this second outburst of Planchet's, so placed himself as not to lose a single look on his face. That is, he sat with both his hands resting on both his knees, and his head stretched out toward the grocer. Come, explain yourself, he said, and tell me how you could possibly utter such a blasphemy. Monsieur D'Arblay, your old master, my friend, an ecclesiastic, a musketeer-turned-bishop, what do you mean to say you would raise your sword against him, Planchet? I could raise my sword against my own father when I see you in such a state as you are now. Monsieur d'Arblay, a gentleman. It is all the same to me whether he's a gentleman or not. He gives you the blue devils and that is all I know and the blue devils make people get thin. Malaga. I have no notion of Monsieur d'Artagnan leaving my house thinner than when he entered it. How does he give me the blue devils as you call it? Come explain, explain you have had the nightmare during the last three nights i yes you and in your nightmare you called out several times aramis deceitful aramis ah uh, i said that did i murmured d'artagnan uneasily yes those very words upon my honour well what else you know the saying planchet dreams go by contraries not so for every time during the last three days when you were out You have not once failed to ask me, on your return, have you seen Monsieur d'Herblay? Or, else, have you received any letters for me from Monsieur d'Herblay? Well, it is very natural I should take an interest in my old friend, said d'Artagnan. Of course, but not to such an extent as to get thin on that account. Planchet, I'll get fatter. I give you my word of honor I will. Very well, monsieur, I accept it for I know that when you give your word of honor, it is sacred. I will not dream of Aramis any more, and I will never ask you again if there are any letters from Monsieur d'Arblay, but on condition that you explain one thing to me. What is it, Monsieur? I am a great observer, and just now you made use of a very singular oath, which is unusual for you. You mean Malaga, I suppose? Precisely. It is the oath i have used ever since i have been a grocer very proper too it is the name of a dried grape or raisin i believe it is my most ferocious oath when i have once said malaga i am a man no longer still i never knew you to use that oath before very likely not monsieur i had a present made me of it said planchet and as he pronounced these words he winked his eye with a cunning expression which thoroughly awakened d'artagnan's attention come come monsieur Planchet why i am not like you monsieur said planchet i don't pass my life in thinking you do wrong then i meant in boring myself to death we have but a very short time to live why not make the best of it you are an epicurean philosopher i begin to think planchet why not my hand is still as steady as ever i can write and i can weigh out my sugar and spices my foot is firm i can dance and walk about my stomach has its teeth still for i eat and digest very well my heart is not quite hardened well monsieur well what planchet why you see said the grocer rubbing his hands together d'artagnan crossed one leg over the other and said planchet my friend i am unnerved with extreme surprise for your revealing yourself to me under a perfectly new light planchet flattered to the highest degree by this remark continued to rub his hands very hard together ah ah he said because i happen to be slow "'You think me perhaps a positive fool?' "'Very good, Planchet. "'Very well reasoned.' "'Follow my idea, monsieur, if you please.' "'I said to myself,' continued Planchet, "'that without enjoyment there is no happiness on this earth.' "'Quite true what you say, Planchet,' interrupted D'Artagnan. "'At all events, if we cannot obtain pleasure, "'for pleasure is not so common a thing after all, "'let us at least get consolation of some kind or another. "'And so you console yourself?' exactly so tell me how you console yourself i put on a buckler for the purpose of confronting ennui i place my time at the direction of patience and on the very eve of feeling i am going to get bored i amuse myself and you don't find any difficulty in that none and you found it out quite by yourself oh quite so it is miraculous what do you say i say that your philosophy is not to be matched in the Christian or pagan world in modern days or in antiquity. You think so? Follow my example, then. It is a very tempting one. Do as I do. I could not wish for anything better, but all minds are not of the same stamp, and it might possibly happen that if I were required to amuse myself in the manner that you do, I should bore myself horribly. Bah! At least try first. Well, tell me what to do. Have you observed that I leave home occasionally? Yes. In any particular way? Periodically. That is the very thing. You have noticed it, then? My dear Planchet, you must understand that when people see each other every day, and one of those two absents himself, the other misses him. Do you not feel the want of my society when I am in the country? Prodigiously, that is to say, I feel like a body without a soul. That being understood, then, Proceed what are the periods when i absent myself on the fifteenth and thirtieth of every month and i remain away sometimes two sometimes three and sometimes four days at a time have you ever given it a thought why i was absent Oh, to look after your debts i suppose and when i returned how did you think i looked as far as my face was concerned exceedingly self-satisfied you admit you say that i always look satisfied and what have you attributed my satisfaction to that your business was going on very well that your purchases of rice prunes raw sugar dried apples pears and treacle were advantageous you were always very picturesque in your notions and ideas Planchet and i was not in the slightest degree surprised that you had selected grocery as an occupation which is of all trades the most varied and the most pleasantest as far as the character is concerned inasmuch as one handles so many natural and perfumed productions perfectly true monsieur but you are greatly mistaken in what way in thinking that i'd leave here every fortnight to collect my money or to make purchases ho ho how could you possibly have ever thought such a thing ho 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 and planchet began to laugh in a manner that inspired D'Artagnan with very serious misgivings as to his sanity i confess said the musketeer that i do not precisely catch your meaning very true monsieur well, what do you mean very true it must be true since you say it but pray be assured that it in no way lessens my opinion of you oh that is lucky no you are a man of genius and whenever the question happens to be of war tactics surprises or good honest blows to be dealt with why kings are marionettes compared to you but for the consolations of the mind the proper care of the body and agreeable things of the like if one may say so ah monsieur don't talk to me about men of genius they are nothing short of executioners good said d'artagnan really fidgety with curiosity upon my word you interest me to the highest degree you feel already less bored than you did just now do you not I was not bored. Yet, since you have been talking to me, I feel more animated. Very good, then. It is not a bad beginning. I will cure you. Rely upon that. There is nothing I should like better. Will you let me try, then? Immediately, if you like. Very well. Have you any horses here? Yes, ten, twenty, thirty. Oh, there is no occasion for so many as that. Two will be quite sufficient. They are quite at your disposal, Planchet. Very good then i shall carry you off with me when to-morrow where ah uh, you are asking too much you will admit however that it is important i should know where i am going do you like the country only moderately planchet is it the case that you like town better that is as may be very well i am going to take you to a place half town and half country good to a place where i am sure you will amuse yourself is it possible yes and more wonderful still to a place from which you have just returned for the purpose only it would seem of getting bored here is it to fontainebleau you are going then exactly to fontainebleau and in heaven's name what are you going to do at fontainebleau planchet answered d'artagnan by a wink full of sly humour you have some property there you rascal oh a very paltry affair a little bit of a house nothing more i understand you "'but it is tolerably enough, after all.' "'I am going to Planchet's country seat!' exclaimed d'Artagnan. "'Whenever you like.' "'Did we not fix to-morrow?' "'Let us say to-morrow, if you like, and then—' "'Besides, to-morrow is the fourteenth. "'That is to say, the day before the one when I am afraid of getting bored, "'so we will look upon it as an understood thing.' "'Agreed, by all means. "'You will lend me one of your horses?' "'The best I have.' "'No, I prefer the gentlest of all.' i never was a very good rider, as you know and in my grocery business i have got more awkward than ever besides besides what why added planchet i do not wish to fatigue myself why so d'artagnan ventured to ask because i should lose half the pleasure i expect to enjoy replied planchet and thereupon he arose from the sack of indian corn stretching himself and making all of his bones crack one after the other with a sort of harmony planchet planchet exclaimed d'artagnan i do declare that there is no cyberite on the face of the globe who can for a moment be compared to you oh planchet it is very clear that we have never yet eaten a ton of salt together why so monsieur because even now i can scarcely say i know you said d'artagnan and because in point of fact i return to the opinion which for a moment i had formed of you that day at boulogne when you strangled, or did so as nearly as possible, Monsieur de Ward's valet, Lubin, in plain language, Planchet, that you are a man of great resources. Planchet began to laugh with a laugh full of self-conceit, bade the musketeer good-night, and went down to his back shop, which he used as a bedroom. D'Artagnan resumed his original position upon the chair, and his brow, which had been unruffled for a moment, became more pensive than ever he had already forgotten the whims and dreams of planchet yes said he taking up again the thread of his thoughts which had been broken by the whimsical conversation in which we have just permitted our readers to participate yes yes those three points include everything first to ascertain what basmeux wanted with aramis secondly to learn why aramis does not let me hear from him and thirdly to ascertain where porthos is the whole mystery lies in these three points since therefore continued d'artagnan our friends tell us nothing we must have recourse to our own poor intelligence i must do what i can mordieu or rather malaga as planchet would say chapter one